Okay, so uh, we're going to look at the subject of work uh, over the next number of weeks. And work uh, is, in the first place, in our DNA. Okay, it's absolutely critical to who we are as human beings. It's in our DNA as those that are created by God, and it's in our DNA uh, for our lives. Uh, we've seen it because we are image bearers of the living God ourselves. Uh, God, we're told on the seventh day, verse two, rested, finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day. And therefore, our, our very fundamental start, starting place for this whole uh, discussion and this whole uh, study is uh, recognizing that God himself is a worker. Okay, God uh, worked in creation from the very beginning. Uh, work is his divine activity. Uh, he's not a slothful or indigent God. Uh, where God is revealed uh, in creation as the God who uh, brought order and symmetry and imaginative life into the universe. So God worked that as we we read briefly there and also obviously from uh, Genesis chapter 1. And the work that God engaged in was perfect. It was of the highest standard. Uh, it was glorious. Every atom, um, every inch, every unseen corner of the creation, uh, there's nothing shoddy and nothing half-hearted in the creative work of God. And, you know, we're still, we're still finding that out uh, as uh, cameras get to the deepest parts of the ocean that have never before been seen. And there are creatures there of great intricacy and uh, just a reminder uh, of the creative work of the living God. And it's work that he delighted in. On the seventh day, he rested. He saw that he had made. It was good. And it was something that he could uh, uh, luxuriate in at one level uh, because it was so perfect. And I think probably we all know that feeling ourselves uh, to a degree, uh, certainly. Maybe we've built something or we've painted something or we've made something and it hasn't fallen apart when we've gone to the next day and we look at it. We go back and we look at it and say, ah, that's quite good. I do it all the time. I go back to things for weeks, uh, things that I've done, because I don't do things very often when I do them. Enjoy that. That was nice. And it's, it's something that is uh, intrinsic within us when we create or when we, when we achieve, when we do something of value. We, we like to go back and consider it and meditate on it. So God is a God who works. He worked in creation. And he's also a God who continued to work uh, and continues to work, sustaining that creation right from the very beginning. He appointed humanity to uh, have a duty of care over the world that he had made, and he provides for them. He provides for them a garden, and he provides for Adam company. And even when they're expelled from the garden, uh, he's the God who keeps on working. We've got, uh, we were going to sing, if we had a presenter tonight, some words from some uh, verses from Psalm 104, which speaks about uh, the creation and how God sustains and keeps working in that creation, giving food to all, or Psalm 145, caring for the needs of all, even those who uh, reject him. And Matthew 5, 45, 
uh, tells us he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. So there's this ongoing providential work and care of God, not just in creation, but in sustaining that creation. So as a, just by, by way of introduction, we've got that reality that God is a working God. Uh, and uh, that is, uh, as image bearers, where we uh, recognize uh, the significance and importance of work for us. Because in Genesis 1, 27, we're told that uh, we are made in his image. And he goes on to encourage humanity to subdue the earth. Uh, to work uh, in the created world. Now there, by way just of, of recognition, we're reminding ourselves that work at that, at, that, at that basic level, it's not a necessary evil. Um, work was, is, it reflects the character of God, but also uh, it was instituted before the fall. So it's something uh, that is significant, and important to us as human as human beings, hugely significant to us as human beings, the concept and the reality and the importance of work. And I think even uh, even the life work balance that is given to us in creation of six and one, uh, the pro the proportionality of that suggests the significance of work uh, as a percentage of the whole of our lives, as it were. Uh, and that six to one ratio goes right through uh, the commands of God uh, that he gives us. Uh, and in the Old Testament, we see that with the addition of festivals and Sabbath weeks and Sabbath years. Um, but he gives us that fundamental um, value and significance uh, in being those who are workers. We're delegated stewards or vice regents of this created order that he made uh, at the beginning. Subduing the earth, chapter 1, verse 28. Um, it's an interesting word. Uh, it's, uh, it's a word we would as associate, actually, with enslavement. Um, uh, there's, I think, ideas there of um, making the ground, making the earth work for you, being sovereign over it, uh, having a good authority over it, and maybe that is... Uh, highlighted further in in the verse we read the last verse we read or the second last verse we read there uh, the lord commanded the man saying you shall um sorry the lord god took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it to keep it to care for it um so there was both a sense of protective care and oversight and also uh, a, a real sense of genuine labor uh it's going to use sweat but maybe we think more of sweat coming from with the sweat of your brow, uh, with the curse. But there's a real sense in which that uh, making the land work, subduing the earth, uh, gives the, the idea that there was, there was much still to be done. And God created uh, this prototypical universe, and yet he gave man the delegated power and authority to uh, further develop and uh, um, build that world in which uh, he set us. And beyond that, not only humanity and, and reflecting God, we see maybe in the, the perfect example of Jesus Christ, uh, who said in John 5, 17, my father is always at work to this very day, providential care, and I too am working. And there's that sense in which 
Christ himself recognizes he comes with a specific uh, work to do. We know he worked physically and manually, but we also know he came with a salvific work to do. And it seems all fused together that uh, God himself in work and God himself in salvation and not in creation, but in recreation continues uh, to be a working God and Christ uh, kind of um, hints at that in what he says in that verse. So if there's that reality that God is uh, a working God, even Simon, and that um, we are made in his image and work uh, was given to us before uh, the fall is uh, not a necessary evil. It is fundamental to our makeup and to our being. What can we say about work? Well, we can appreciate it as being something that is fundamentally good. Uh, we will look in, in later weeks at the effect of the fall and of sin on our ability to work and on our enjoyment of work. Uh, but work is critical to our humanity as image bearers. And I'm not just necessarily always speaking there, obviously, about employment, but it's about uh, being useful, serving in whatever context that we find ourselves in, using our life and our time effectively for the benefit and the good of others and to the glory of God. And you know what it's like not to have any kind of purpose and direction in life. Uh, there's a great inner sense of loss and emptiness if we don't have that direction and purpose in our lives. So we appreciate work as a fundamentally God-given good thing for us. I think we also recognize, touched on this, the structure of work and rest is a God-given one. So that I think that six and one pattern uh, reflects the kind of model of a life-work balance that we should uh, consider and value. Um, work, therefore, is not something. Dorothy Sayers says, work is not primarily a thing one does to live, but the thing one lives to do. And that's a significant uh, and important reality for us. We don't simply work to earn in order to live our best life, which would be the opinion of many people today. Work is the best part of our life because that is the life that God has designed, it, designed us to live. We don't work for the weekends. We don't work to live for pleasure. We don't work to fund a lavish lifestyle that allows us to luxuriate. We work for the glory of God and we work because we were created to do so. And his structure for us uh, highlights that going on to become God's command for us is in the sixth commandment to work and rest. And rest itself, of course, is to be enjoyed in and of itself for God's glory and for our good. It's not just for re-energization, which is significant, of course, for us, but we know that God rested on the seventh day, given us a model and a pattern, and he didn't do it in a utilitarian way. He didn't need to rest simply for a blessed enjoyment of all that had been created. And therefore we rest, uh, not simply to have more energy to work. Uh, we recognize the value and the significance and the importance of rest and worship in our lives. 
also so that work doesn't become an idol to us, which it can easily do. So the structure of work is uh, God-given. Therefore, and when we think of who God is and who we are, we recognize that all work uh, has dignity, uh, with the caveat of work uh, that is legitimate and legal, um, obviously not exploitative, not sinful in any way. Uh, but all work uh, is and has dignity. And um, this is where I think sometimes uh, we can challenge ourselves a little bit. I would argue that Christianity in the West has two historical hangovers. And the first is uh, that of uh, Greek philosophical thought, um, where in the Greek mindset, uh, the material world was temporary and therefore work was really a curse. Um, and uh, work that required the mind uh, rather than the body was more noble and more significant. Slaves, lesser people uh, did the manual work. The elite devoted themselves to exercising the mind in art and philosophy and politics. Aristotle said some people are born to be slaves. Uh, and I think that uh, there's a hangover of that uh, mindset in Western thinking and sometimes in our Christian thinking as well, where we think that low status work is undignified and look down on as if it's lesser and uh, more insignificant. I think the division uh, in the knowledge classes and the poorly remunerated service sector uh, is something that's very evident in the society in which we live. And sometimes the thinking behind that spills into our own thinking as Christians, where we think some work is much more significant and much more important uh, than other works. I can think of some churches uh, in different parts of the world, um, and this may spill over into a, a, a racial uh, misunderstanding also, of course, where if you look on their website and see all the significant and important jobs uh, in the church, uh, they're all done by white people uh, until you come to the cleaner or uh, the caretaker, uh, and that is either someone who's black or Hispanic, uh, as if there's some kind of uh, value division in the in the race and in the, the the job itself. And indeed, in our own denomination, in our own background, I certainly grew up uh, with the assumption, just with the unspoken assumption, that you would go to university, you would uh, you would strive to go to university to better yourself, that that was simply uh, a, an unspoken assumption. Well, and look where I ended up, uh, a disaster. <laughs> uh, but you know, there, there's that, an apprenticeship was never considered, was never offered, was never something uh, that was regarded as having value or significance. When we ask people, what's your job? Oh, you're just a nanny or a street cleaner a laborer, as if it's somehow less significant and less important. How many joiners or plumbers or scaffolders do we have in St. C's? 
uh, we're a middle-class, educated people. And I think sometimes that's just socioeconomic, the way that we mix with one another. But sometimes it may be it's because we've assumed that these jobs and the advancement of uh, these kind of jobs and these kind of careers are more honoring to God. And that's unhelpful, and I think is unbiblical. It's all uh, work as dignity, and the Bible makes that clear. A second uh, hangover, and I'm not sure where this comes from because I'm not great at working out where these things come from. Uh, but it might be one that's useful for discussion where we, we do recognize uh, that the Bible uh, values all work, whether it's uh, professional or manual in terms of employment, all work is dignified. Um, and I think there's a misconception that full-time Christian work is more important than other work that it's more significant than other work. And I would question whether that's the case. We may be able to argue it from different places, uh, but I think God in creation was a manual worker, a laborer, fashioning as it were. Jesus was a carpenter. And uh, Katrina will tell you how often I crave manual labor and to spend some time doing physical activity in that way. But I'm not sure if it's justified biblically to say that full-time Christian service uh, is more important or more significant in God's eyes than any other work. It's certainly a greater privilege. And with greater privilege comes greater responsibility. And, but I think that's true of you all, whatever gifts God has given you. To whom more has been given, more will be required. And that would be true for uh, uh, someone in the higher echelons of, of business or uh, education as it would be for ministry. And I don't think jobs outside of the church are any less significant in God's eyes. I would argue all work is a calling and the dignity of our work comes from the gifts we've been given and uh, the fact that God has us working for him in his kingdom. And so the reality, I think, is the dignity of our work comes from that and should come from that as Christians. Whereas often, I think, we find ourselves looking for dignity in our work because of its status or the remuneration that we get from it or the respect that gives us in the community or the advancement that we might be able to achieve from it, or the influence that we feel we have, uh, rather than recognizing that the dignity of our work comes from who we are in Christ and recognizing uh, his place in our hearts. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, so whether you eat or whether you drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, Colossians 3, in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I don't think caring and cultivating for the material world has any 
less worth to God than anything else that we might do. Because we recognize, unlike uh, our Greek philosophical forefathers, that the ultimate fulfillment of redemption is both spiritual and physical. As the redemption of a physical universe, as well as uh, our souls. Um, secular, therefore no less than sacred, if you want to use that rather unhelpful divide, uh, uh, doesn't exist in the eyes of God in terms of significance and importance. Because I think the, the subtext of that is if you're not in full-time Christian work, it's not that important. Or it's not a calling. Or I don't, I'm not a missionary in that environment. And yet, in rea practically, as I see it in reality, your positions in the workplace and in the academy and in the home and everywhere else uh, has much as much or if not much more influence in terms of spreading the gospel and being light and darkness than a full-time Christian worker who hides behind the walls of the church uh, or within the Christian community. The Holy Spirit is both a gardener in Psalm 104, verse 30, Psalm 65, talks about him renewing the ground by watering it, and also a preacher, John 16, 8 to 11, where he convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. So I think these are two hangovers that will be worth all of your time discussing uh, at City Group and involving others in that. I just want to finish with some facts, um, some gospel facts that uh, I got from uh, the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity. That Jesus told 52 parables, 45 at a workplace context. Acts records 40 divine interventions. 39 of them were in the marketplace. Jesus spent his adult life as a carpenter until the age of 30 when he began a public preaching ministry in the workplace. Jesus called 12 workplace individuals, not clergy, to build his church. You can... You can argue they became clergy, <laughs> but uh, the fact is there nonetheless. Work is worship. Uh, in the summer, uh, we're going to look uh, in our morning worship at one chapter for the whole summer, Romans 12, about being living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, but this is your spiritual act of worship, spiritual service. And we recognize that the Hebrew word avoda is the root word both for work and for worship. So all our lives, you know, it's this whole divide that you, you come to church and you worship and you do Christian things, but that gives you the six days of the, of, the, of, the, of the week to just do your own thing, which has often been, I think, in our tradition, uh, sometimes the way we've thought. Work in its different forms is mentioned more than 800 times in the Bible, more than all the words used to express worship, music, praise, and singing combined. 54% of Jesus' reported teaching ministry arose out of issues posed by others in the scope of daily life experience. 
So I think we're designed by God for work, and God gives our work dignity. And I think uh, there's a lot of things to discuss within that, um, and you need to agree with everything that I've said. But uh, the challenge is to think a little bit uh, about the significance and importance of work uh, in your lives and your calling, your gifting, where God has placed you, why he's placed you there, and how you can serve him best there um, as Christian workers in this kingdom. Amen. Okay. Anyone get any questions? Nah, yeah, come on. I'm sure you have. Sure you didn't agree with me. I could see some tight faces. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I haven't heard that before. No? Well, I think it, there may be a difference, particularly since the fall, that has made work cursed like everything else. But I guess sometimes the labor can be just as intense in a, uh, in a professional, warm, exclusive environment as it can in, in digging a ditch, ditch in the wet. Um, but, you know, you used to talk about these guys, that, uh, stonemasons of the churches in Edinburgh. Uh, remember the apocryphal story? I don't know if it is or not, but one of them who's asked, well, why do you, why do you bother going into such detail with these stone carvings that are going to be 200 feet up in the air and no one will see? He said, well, I'm, I'm not doing it to be seen. I'm doing it for the glory of God. And it's that whole attitude of working, whether we're seen or not, to the glory of God, and you know we do our best. Uh, um, we don't we don't scrimp and save. We don't uh, do things half-heartedly because the boss isn't watching, or because we're looking to get home early for whatever reason. We we want to glorify God in, in all that we do, and do our very best, whether it's seen or, or not, by our colleagues or our family or by people around us. We do it because. Um, the eye of God is on us in everything that we do. Um, and that's, I think, part of this kind of introductory thought um, this evening. <laughs>